0: Why do some people seem unable to achieve full satisfaction in things? What keeps them dissatisfied, even after achieving their goals? And why does the ego persist in avoiding mourning and sticking to the same solutions? In this episode of the IPA Talks on Psychoanalysis podcast series, Salman Akhtar presents his theory that redefines the classical Kleinian conception of the rupture between gratification and satisfaction as a consequence of the death instinct derived attacked upon the provider of gratification. This should indeed lead us to the search for a state of tranquility, rather than an increased intention. What role does the life instinct, instead, play in this restless search, in this excessive intense refusal to believe that further gratification shall not result in satisfaction? This exploration not only offers a theoretical perspective, but also has profound implications for clinical practice and our understanding of psychoanalytic technique. The episode we share with you today is sourced from the wealth of content presented at the 53rd IPA Congress in Cartagena. It was a, a part of the Fanning the Flames panel featuring Salman Akhtar, alongside Cordelia Mittero, Claudia Antonelli and moderated by Fred Bush. We are delighted to announce the opportunity to watch the complete panel along with many other outstanding presentations from the Cartagena Congress on the ipa.world website. Salman Akhtar, medical doctor is an internationally known psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, writer, and poet, based in the United States. He has published 108 authored or edited books, and given lectures and workshops in over 40 countries. Dr. Akhtar has served on the editorial boards of the three most important journals of our fields, namely Journals of American Psychoanalytic Association, the International Journal of Psychoanalysis and the Psychoanalytic Quarterly. His books have been translated in many languages and he has received numerous professional honors, including the highly prestigious Sigourney Award for Distinguished Contributions to Psychoanalysis. Recently, a 10-volume set of his selected papers was released at a festive ceremony at the Freud House and Museum in London. Dr. Akhtar has published 18 collections of poetry, and serves as a scholar-in-residence at the Interact Theatre Company in Philadelphia. I am Gaetano Pellegrini with Talks on Psychoanalysis, the IPA podcast devoted to topics published in the IPA Society Journals and Congress debates worldwide, featuring the original voices of the authors. This podcast series published by the IPA is part of the activities of the IPA Communication Committee and is produced by the IPA Podcast Editorial Team. Editing and post-production Massimiliano Guerrieri. To stay informed about the latest podcast releases, please sign up today.
1: Let me begin with the three very small clinical examples. Then what is common in them? Then how to understand that commonality? Is there one commonality or two? And how to understand them? And how does that fit with Freudian metapsychology, especially with the drive theory? And finally, what is the relevance of understanding it back to the clinical work? First example, patient says to me, young man, young for me it means like 40 years old so says i don't know how to come out of a shower Uh, i i mean i take a shower every day every morning before going to work and i do come out of it of course otherwise how would i go not go to work but i don't really know how so i was a little puzzled so i say what exactly do you mean so he says i mean i come out of the shower uh, for reasons such as my wife will scream from outside, you have been too long in the bathroom. Or the, the, the water is hot, the steam might mess up the wallpaper in the bathroom. Or I start feeling guilty that I am having too much fun standing in the shower and all the water running over me. So I come out kind of a reluctant shower lever. Uh, and not really, I've never turned the flower off and be out, and then I realized that I was out of it. Never have I come out spontaneously. He raises his finger from the couch. He says, just remain quiet. I, I don't need you to tell me how. Uh, that's not the point. I, he's a smart guy. So he says, I don't want you to tell me how, because I want to get it myself, but I'm really working on this, and I'm very disturbed by it. A few months later in a different session something comes up about food he says you know and he is extremely educated from the finest places in this con- united states and uh, and yet he has an affectation so he always says dark look dark let me tell you one thing i will give you a list of every food item that i like every conceivable food item and you get it prepared by the best chef in the world and make the supply for 100 years and put it on a ship and put me on the ship and push the ship on the ocean. I think within a day or two, I'll start worrying, is there really enough food? And what if I wanted something else that I forgot to tell you? Then what will happen? Case number one. Case number two, patient says, I feel financially very insecure. I was very puzzled because I had known that he was actually, he, he, sorry, was actually very well off. And um, so I said, uh, financially insecure? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've told you, all I have is about eight and a half million dollars. And, you know, but that's not uh, enough these days. I mean, life is difficult and such. So I said, um, let me ask you a kind of absurd question. I mean, is there a number you have in mind that might make you feel secure? She said, yeah, I think it has to be in double figures. So I said, 10? Would 10 be okay? She said, 10, hmm, 11. Uh, uh, No, no, okay, let's make it 12. So I said, what was wrong with 10? She says, "Um, you know, 10 can slip and become 9 quickly. So uh, that's not really good for me. Patient number two. Patient number three you know, doctor, this is a man who came after a a medical procedure uh, which partly inevitably, partly tragically led him to be impotent. Middle-aged man, not very old, getting there. So he says, you know, I want to tell you something. I have had sexual intercourse with 52 women in my life, but it didn't do anything. So I said, what were you expecting it to do? He says, don't make fun of me. I'm telling you the God honest truth. I said, yeah, yeah, of course. He said, the truth is that I thought that women's bodies are like a safe in a bank. You press seven, two, one, and then you go, turn the knob, open, and there's a diamond. And you take the diamond and then you're rich forever. 52 women, Doc, I slept with, no diamond. I didn't become richer. What is common in these people? What is common is the following. I think there are three important commonalities. First, listen carefully and follow the scheme carefully. First, gratification is sought and gratification is obtained. The person wants from it million to ten million. And in that hallucinatory wish fulfillment at that moment, ten million is found. But then, she wants eleven. So, she finds eleven. Then she finds... So, gratification is sought and gratification is found. Step one. Number two, gratification does not lead to satisfaction. The G.S. link is broken. Mrs. Klein very emphatically and lucidly distinguishes between gratification, which is the fruition of the aim of the instinct, and satisfaction, which is a whole self related to an object and to the envelope of the existence, feeling relaxed. So the second problem is gratification does not lead to satisfaction. That link is broken too. Third problem is that the ego refuses to accept it and refuses to mourn this breach and this break. So it doesn't say at 17th woman that this is not working. He says, how about 18th? How about 21st? And he was upset because he had become impotent that now it was not possible for him to go from 52 to 53rd one, which he had hoped, maybe he had the diamond. So the ego refuses to mourn and refuses to accept and carries on the same solution. Problem number three. These are three problems. First one is not a problem. Gratification is found. Gratification is sought and found. No problem. There are two problems with such people. Problem number one, gratification does not lead to satisfaction. Something has gone wrong. I eat, you eat an apple, we feel okay, good, my stomach feels good, I'm filled. This person eats an apple and he sees he needs another apple. He has had gratification, the mouth felt sweet, but he's not satisfied. This is one problem. Second problem is he wants another apple and after the second one he wants a third one. He is not understanding that apples will not work. Millions will not work. More sexual intercourse will not work. More food on the ship will not work. Not understanding, refusing to accept and refusing to move. Those are the two problems. Next step. What causes the problem number one? Now, here is a minor digression. We psychoanalysts, especially those of us who are interested in psychoanalytic theory, have our own mitigates you know, her own um, idiosyncrasies and hang-ups and idealizations. You know, secretly we believe that ego is better than they. Secretly we, we believe that uh, repression is better than splitting. Secretly we believe that depressive position is better than paranoid position. Now, if you were a proofreader and you were in depressive position, my books will be destroyed. Because you will read, you will say, you know, out of the 32 lines, 18 hey, are pretty good. That's okay. What if there was one or two typos? Who cares? That's the depressive position. It's not good. It is not good. It's not good to be too humble. It's not good to blame oneself for everything. Depressive position can be horrible sometimes. And paranoid position can be exceptionally good. You are getting a bloody divorce, you better hire a, a lawyer in a paranoid position. Yeah. Very simple. Very simple. These things get idealized. Here, what has happened is, in the instinct theory, life instinct has been benignly idealized and put aside, which is actually a more problematic concept than death instinct, which is a rather simple concept. Now, so the tendency, I think slightly lazy theoretical tendency, is to think that GS link, gratification, satisfaction link, is broken because of the attack of the death instinct because of, in less instinctual theory, because of the aggression towards the benefactor object. Or because of the attack against the self, sadism, masochism, activity of the death instinct. This is a problem. Because first of all, what is the fate of death instinct? There is a fate, externalization, that the Kleinian writes about, paranoid objects, aggression. There is binding by the libido, and therefore primary masochism, guilt, pre-guilt masochism, two, three, there is the dripping inside, the Italian analysts write about it, psychosomatic illness, autoimmune illness, three, four, attack against the mind, Andre Green, the work of negative. These are the outcomes of death instinct. But if you read beyond the Platter Principle, as many times that I have read, and more. You'll find some mind-boggling things. One of the things is, eight times in Beyond the Pleasure Principle, once in Ego, twice in Ego in the head, in a letter to Max Eitingon, in another theory of dreams, Freud uses the word death instinct in plural. Death instincts. And I wondered why. So I checked with my German friend, Peter Hoffer, I called Peter, Axel's brother. I said, is this in German also? He checked everywhere. It's also in German. What does he mean by death instincts? I thought there was one. And then you begin thinking and read beyond the pressure principle again. And you find that these five outcomes, primary masochism, outward aggression, work of the negative, psycho- autoimmune disease. These are only if you view death instinct as aggressive, hostile, and bad, which is not what Papa meant at all. What Papa meant was, leave me alone, let me lie down, it's Thursday afternoon, I want to take a nap, I don't want to have dreams, I want dreamless sleep, I want no mental activity, please don't give me any gifts, I don't want more things, I don't want complex food, just let me eat the same food that I eat every day, that way I'm sort of inactive, passive, quiet, relaxed, not wanting anything, quietly vanishing, disappearing and gone. That's what death instinct is. And that death instinct has been turned into this aggressive thing, the fact is, it is actually It doesn't want anything. It doesn't want anything. It wants nothing and therefore nothing. And it creates some very good outcomes. Dreamless sleep, lying fallow, blank silences of the mind during religious and otherwise meditation, restful states and such. Now, therefore, this idea that... G does not lead to S is because of that instinct is highly questionable and there comes the complex concept of life instinct which is not fittable in the energetic model of instincts because what is life instinct? Here are the words. The establishment and maintenance of more M-O-R-E differentiated more M-O-R-E Organized forms and even the widening of differences in blah, blah, blah. More, more widening. One place. Another place. The aim of Eros is to establish even greater. Just think about this. More, more widening, even greater. This business of wanting more has nothing to do with death instinct. It has to do with life instinct. Life instinct is a much more complex pseudo-idealized and benignly neglected concept in psychoanalysis. It's a very difficult concept and more problematic theoretically and technically. Now comes this problem number two. Why does the person who has had sex with 28 women or 29 or 37 or 42 still want Thinks that the diamond can be found. That is typical of life instinct. It's the nature of life instinct. That's why we have so many inventions. That's why we keep invented. When you were reading your paper, there were so many things I wanted to say. I remain quiet. One thing I'll now say, it's not only the selling of guns, which of course is uh, problematic and causes problems. It's also inventing new guns, inventing more and more fancy weapons. Why we, why we invent more things? Why are we not satisfied with what we have invented? We want to invent more. We went to moon. We are not happy. We want to go to Mars now. And we are not happy. We might try Saturn. Do you see, this business of wanting more is the nature of life instinct. It is the nature of life instinct in psycholytic theory. The problem lies with life instinct. Why does the ego not uh, accept? that the apple would not work, or sex will not work, or eight million will not work, that's the nature. That's the nature of life instinct. Not to be satisfied. That's why it doesn't fit in the economic model. You know, read Laplace. he talks about how the economic model and the instinct theory are at this point. That instinct fits well. This does not fit well, because it does not lead to reduction of tension. It always needs more tension, more challenges, bigger things. Widener things, higher things, and such. I loved your idea of this uh, uh, changing self-preservatory to preservatory drives. Very good. But that's not the only word Freud uses about uh, ego instincts. The word preservatory is there, but also there are other words. Other words such as protecting, which is the same, self-protective, but also self-advancing, self-propagating, self-constituting, You know, so that even in the sexual drive and in the self-protective drive, which are the um, under the umbrella of life drives, in both of them, there's a restless search. That's the contemporary unconscious hope. Patrick Caseman, Winnicott's anti social tendency. There's a search for a new developmental experience. But that search many times in our patients is caused by early deprivation, usually maternal, early maternal deprivation. But that is a traumatic outcome. What I'm suggesting is, it's not only a traumatic outcome, it's just the goddamn nature of the life instinct that gets into trouble. Our trouble is not because of death instinct. Our trouble is because of life instinct. This is putting psychoanalytic theory upside down. But so what? Should I stop? Two minutes? Two minutes? Two minutes. So the question is, what is the relevance of all this for our clinical work? Because all ideas, in my opinion, are useless unless they can be used in actual clinical work. It has to do something. This is also life instinct. There it is again. Do you see? I'm not satisfied by just the idea. You know, death instinct would have said, you have an idea, now go to sleep. No, I say I want to do something with it. And that's what gets us in trouble, life instinct. So what does it? what is the clinical relevance? The clinical relevance is, if we focus on greed, by the way, I have of course departed already from my abstract, I apologize. I'd written that some 10 months ago and I have changed my mind. That if we fo- focus on the model of deprivation, intensifying aggression and releasing death instinct towards the benefactor and therefore destroying the GS link. If that is the model, then, of course, analysis of defense against aggression, reconstruction of early trauma, uh, empathy with uh, uh, deprivation, those would be an analysis of limits of the analyst's omnipotence, etc., and the patient's feelings about it. That will be the technique. However, if we put the theory upside down and think that it is the search itself that is fundamentally problematic, then we will find ourselves in a new world a new world of questioning why is the patient want so much? And why does the patient not mourn that the patient will have to live with this ego defect, that the people have to live sometimes with diabetes, people have to live with epilepsy, people have to li- live with the stroke. The patient has to live, maybe he had too much intense life instinct, constitutional, Mrs. Klein talks of constitutional increase of death instinct. Why can't there be a constitutional increase of life instinct? Maybe that's his problem, poor guys. Maybe he has to just mourn. And he has to live with the fact that he cannot be satisfied. That's how he is. He has to live a restless and pain life. It alters the technique profoundly. It alters the view of what we can do, what we should do, what we are about, what our patients are about. Thank you very much.